This morning, we're looking at unanswered prayer, and Susie and Adam Folk are going to come and speak to us. Um, so we, we thought we'd kick off. We, we had it on good advice um, that from our daughter, who is in here, we won't make you stand up, that it, that it, work, it works quite well if chocolate is involved. Um, so we, we, we thought we would take that advice. So um, just to get us thinking about what we're talking about today, because it is a, it is a, a huge subject, think, thinking about when you get, don't get the answer that you want from someone else or you don't get a response. If you are like aired um, on social media, um, ghosted, whatever the terms are, h- how do you feel? So we, we're going to have two levels of reward here. We're going to have another question um, in a little bit where you get a bigger chocolate reward. But, but just for opening your mouth, because I realise that is a big step for some, you will get a chalky reward. Although if you're allergic to nuts, please do read the label because you might get one with nuts in. Um, so the first question is, how do you feel when you don't get responses from your friends? All right, anyone want to uh, go first? Yeah, you can shout out. You feel violated. That's strong. Yeah, you can, th- you can throw them out, yeah. Yeah, okay, violated if you don't get response, yeah. Unimportant, absolutely, you don't feel important. Right at the back, you're going to have to really shout out. Rejected, yeah, good one. That, can you throw that far, love? No, going to have to walk. Lurk around in the middle. Okay, yeah, rejected, violated, unimportant, yeah. Disappointed, yeah. Disappointment is a huge one um, where, where you, you don't get a response from God, which is what we're talking about, massive one. Uh, yeah, the, at the back there, yeah? Yes. Unimportant, yeah. We, did we have that one? It's, a, it's worth saying again. It's worth saying again. Um, yeah, any others at the back there? gentleman in the middle yeah annoyed annoyed yeah basically if people don't get back to you you know we, we, we have this I have this from time to time people don't respond to you sometimes for ages and you, do you when you actually know that they've seen your message if it's on whatsapp or something and you're thinking why have they not responded you know and you're thinking what you start to get offended okay we'll have two more yeah excluded yeah everyone else is talking but not you and then we'll go, we'll go right to the back again yeah in the blue uh Adidas. Ignored. Yeah. Did we have that one? I'm losing track of what's been said. But it's a good, it's a good one. Ignored. Exactly. So what, what we're talking about today is, is trying to translate that to how we feel about God when we don't get a response from God. Because probably we feel very, very similar. And just to make it really clear what we're talking about today, that it's called unanswered prayer, but what we're talking about is, is not that God doesn't hear, because we would believe that God knows exactly what's going on in everybody's life all the time, because he's a big God. He sees all and he hears all. So this is good news, because if you pray, you can be sure that God's heard you. It's not that you're not important He's busy with someone else. He's heard you. What we're talking about here today in unanswered prayer is when you don't get the response that you want when you want it. Basically, isn't it? That's what we're talking about today. So we're going to ask another little question. Um, Are you going to do something else? Another question in a minute. Uh, We just wanted to start as well by saying um, some of those words that you just said, how you feel when you're not answered, they're big words, violated, excluded, ignored, and we recognise that right now, this is a big issue for some of you. Like some of you may have just come here because your friends 
have said, let's just go there. But for some of you, this is a massive battle. And for some of you, you might be facing actual real heartache. And you might be saying, I, I genuinely don't get it. You might have prayers that you've been praying personally about yourself. You might have prayers that you've been praying about family members, about situations at school. And so we just wanted to kind of get that out there right away and say that we, you know, that's why we're talking about it. That's why the organisers have put that on. That's, it's an important thing to talk about. Um, and our prayer really is that we're going to be able to talk about some of the reasons behind that so that you're going to be strengthened in your faith and so that you're going to go away with hope. When we were praying earlier, someone had a picture that hope was going to rise in hearts and minds today because God's a God of hope and he doesn't want you to feel ignored, excluded, violated by the fact that your prayers aren't answered. And uh, we were just thinking, you know, like for ourselves, what are some of the things that we've seen amongst our friends that we've felt like God's not answering? We know he hears us, but we're not seeing prayers answered just in our own like circle of friends. We've got people who have got small children that are facing like literal death any day because they're facing life, life battling um, illnesses. We've got friends who can't have children. These are friends who have given their life to Jesus, who are doing everything they can for Jesus. They're crying out for babies. They can't have children. Well, we've got friends who are crying out for God to give them a husband, a wife, and he's not answering at the moment in the way. And that that causes heartache. We've got friends who are crying out for jobs or provision and they're not seeing that and that causes heartache. Uh, we've got um, people who, you know, have been attacked in difficult situations. Um, I, I could go on, but these are real life circumstances and what can happen is that when we feel we're ignored, we're violated, uh, we're excluded by not being answered, we've, it can feel like the relationship begins to break down. If, if people aren't answering you, you can feel like the relationship with someone breaks down. And, and we know that isn't what God wants. And so we're going to look at some stuff today and we're saying God build hope in our lives. God brings strength in us as followers of Jesus so that we know that. So we just wanted to stop right there. And because one of the things, I, I can't remember if anyone said it, I was too busy throwing chocolates around. But one of the things, you can feel lonely you can feel like, is there something wrong with me? Why isn't my prayer being answered? Is it something I've done wrong? Am I the only one? And you can look around and you can hear the testimonies and you can think, well, everybody else seems to be getting their prayers answered. And that is a really lonely place where you can feel excluded. And so we kind of wanted to just get that out there and say, no, you are not alone. And one of the biggest ways you're not alone is actually by, in the Bible, there are people whose prayers weren't being answered in the way they wanted here comes the next chocolate. So this, this is a bit of a tougher question. Um, so th- this is strangely encouraging that, it, that there's some great heroes of our faith who are in the Bible that also didn't have their prayers answered in the way that they maybe would have liked to in the time that they would. So we're going to give away twirls, single twirl sticks for this one. So um, how many can you think of? Is that is that five there? Yeah, I think there's actually more than five. But can anyone, hands up, think of anyone in the Bible who didn't get their prayers answered? Um, yeah. Who? Job. Yeah, that was, that was a, good, that's a good one. Yeah, we didn't, that's a very obvious one. We didn't have that one on our list. So uh, you know the story of Job quite well. He went through lots of suffering, and, and that included the loss of family members, um, children. Um, so, yeah, n- not what he maybe wanted. We know that. Yep. 
Abraham, yeah, what, what are you thinking of particularly? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's one where, where it happened later. Um, that, that's, that's a good one. We're thinking that there's ones where it didn't happen at all as well. There was a hand up at the front. You were going to say, Jeb, okay. We're going, we go to this. Joseph, what are you thinking of? When he was thrown into bit. Yeah, these are good. Um, oh, okay, you get Auntie Susie, very generous with the mini chocolates, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, the back in the middle there. Yeah. Shout out. David, yeah, that's one. What bit are you thinking of? Yeah, okay. So King David here, now he was someone who knew God, wasn't he? And he committed adultery, baby was born, and God took the life, said, judgment, that baby will not live. David prayed. Prayers weren't answered on that occasion. Mm. Okay, we'll go to the, this end of the room, yeah? Lad at the, right at the back there. Shout out. King Saul, yeah, what are you thinking of there? God rejected him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, over this end, yeah. Paul, here we go. Yeah, so what was Paul? Okay, yeah, so th- the thorns, wh- whatever that was, could have been illness, could have been persecution, but clearly there God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, uh, didn't get taken away in the way that he wanted. Okay, yeah, gap. Oh, is this, oh we run out of chocolate. Okay, we'll have a grey gap boy with cap. Yes, you. Jesus. Good one to finish on. Yeah, so what, what with Jesus? Yeah, very good. So it, even Jesus prayed when he was betrayed on that night, Lord, is there another way? Um, may this cup be taken away from me. Um, but then he submit, him, submitted himself to the, to the will of his father. So we're, we're in amazing company here. Um, and there's, there's more we could mention as well. Jeremiah and Habakkuk praying for Israel not to be destroyed. Numbers of time the nations, nation of Israel prayed when they went into battle. Sometimes their prayers weren't answered for various reasons and they didn't win the battle and lives were lost. Um, uh, Moses uh, didn't enter into the promised land um, because he was disobedient and disrespectful to God. He didn't get to enter in himself. So there's numbers of people in the Bible who have experienced something of what we've been through as well. Um, just to give a little, a little kind of image when we, as we're going through some of the possible reasons why our prayers aren't answered. It, it's very complicated but sometimes it could be simple, and this is the issue with it. On the left here, there's a, there's a mosaic picture here of Jesus. You know what a mosaic is? Made up of lots of different squares or tiles. And so when we're thinking about unanswered prayer, the reasons are, are lots. They're varied. It's like a, a, a mosaic that enables us to be able to see clearly what God or what Jesus is doing in a situation. The problem is that when we think about different 
situations in our lives, different trials or troubles or things that we're asking God about, it can feel a bit like this image on the right. Now, it was, it was difficult to find the puzzle face of Jesus, so I've gone with Mona Lisa. Uh, don't get the two confused. But on the right, this is one of those slidey tile puzzles where you have to move the tiles around to create the picture. You know what I mean? They've been around for years. You've probably had a go. Um, and it could be that some of, the, some of the, res- the reasons why we're not getting what we want in the way we think we should have it could be as simple as just sliding one tile across to bring clarity so that we suddenly see the whole thing. But it could be that what you're facing or what you're going through is rather more complicated. And in order to find the answer, we've got to do a lot of switching around to actually be able to see clearly. So this is why it's difficult to give an answer to why this morning a prayer that you're praying or something that you're hoping for isn't answered. Just to give you an illustration from our lives. So for me, one of the biggest ones in my life would relate to to my mum, uh, who's now passed away. She passed away earlier this year, but she was unwell for for most of her life. So she died when she was 75, and for most of her life, she'd, she'd battled with mental illness, with anorexia, and the, the, the consequences of that was that she had all kinds of physical problems as well. You know, her body was giving way, and it was amazing, humanly, that she even lived to age 75. But over the years, my mum was a, was a Christian believer, and she, she prayed. My mum had been through probably all the things, all the reasons that we're going to cover today of why prayers aren't answered, And we'd prayed for her lots of times in person, year after year after year. And she wasn't healed here now in the way that we would have humanly liked it to happen on earth. We know in heaven, yet everything has been made right now and she's with Jesus. But now when I look back, it's a bit more like that picture. Um, I want to see where Jesus is in the middle of it all. And I've got some ideas. I can, you know, give a kind of best stab at it but actually it's rather more complicated to work out what it was with my mum and when when I'm with Jesus a bit like Andrew Wilson said uh, yesterday morning what's my first question to Jesus going to be okay I'm going to fall down and worship him but at some point during eternity I would humbly be interested just to hear for my own clarification what was actually going on there I'm looking forward to getting a bit of a window into the bigger picture of what God or God was or wasn't doing and we have to live with that and so it might be that there's situations you're going through that are similar but ultimately we have to land on the truth that that God is good we know that God is with us by the Holy Spirit we know that God has already shown what he's like deep in his heart by the fact that he's come in the person of Jesus and walked and talked on earth and given up his life and been raised from the dead, the fact that he's done that demonstrates that his heart is toward us, even though in different situations, a bit like with my mum, we might look and think, Jesus, I can't really see you very clearly at the moment, but when I look back and when I look at what you've already done in my life, I know you're good, I can see that clearly, but there's other things I'm struggling to see. Okay, so like Adam said, there can be different reasons why um, we don't see everything falling into place. And we're just going to take some time to unpack some of them. There's about six. Don't worry, we'll go through them quite quickly. Um, But the first one is just to do really with our 
perspective on life and on timing. And so I just want to introduce you to this little man. Can you see him? Does anybody please tell me you remember him? Please. So I can't remember what the boy's called. Does anyone know what the boy's called? Come on, own up. You know you all watch it secretly at home. No? Okay. Well, this was a program and called Grandpa in My Pocket. And for those of you that haven't seen it, this little guy, I can't really remember it. I didn't watch it that much myself. But he used to go about his life and did the, was the grandpa always that small? No. Did he just shrink down? Thank you for those of being honest that you know. Uh, so he used to shrink down and then live in his little grandson's pocket. And presumably he used to jump out and help him and get into kind of adventures with him and sort stuff out. He was a good grandpa. Is that generally the gist, I think? So I was thinking, sometimes we can, when we think we're a Christian, we can, life can be a little bit like this. We can kind of go about with our life. We can be living our life. We can be choosing what we're going to do with our life, where we're going to go, what we're going to spend our money on, who we're going to hang out with, or uh, what we're going to do when we're older. And maybe not for you, but for me sometimes, it can feel like God is a little grandpa in my pocket. And it can feel like I'm in charge of my life and I'm a Christian and I follow God. God's in my pocket. And when I need to, I'm going to ask him to help me with my stuff, with my problems, with what I need, with I might need something or I've got a problem or someone's sick or where am I going to, you know, like what job am I going to do or whatever. I'm going to get grandpa out of my pocket and I'm going to ask him to help me and then I'm going to put him back in. I don't know, maybe none of you are like that, but that's sometimes what it's felt like praying has been for me. That God's in my pocket and I'll get him out and I'll put him back when, I, when I'm done with, when I've got the answer I want. And as I thought about that, God led me to this verse in Colossians 3. And I'm just going to read it to you because actually this is what being a Christian is. This is what God has saved us into and what we've signed up for. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And that completely turns the grandpa in my pocket image of God on its head. Because what's the problem with grandpa in my pocket? Who's in charge? Me. So that means I'm very much still alive. I still get to make my own decisions, do what I want, get upset about what I want to get upset about. Thank you very much. Get angry about what I want to get angry about. Get happy about what I want to get happy about. And then I'm just like, God's just there. What does the Bible say? When we follow Jesus, we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then we're going to appear with him in glory. Like Adam said, when we die and go to heaven, we're going to see God in all his glory. And all of those mosaic, tiny little pieces are going to make sense. And we will get the answers. And God, it will make sense. But until then says we've died and we're hidden and that sounds scary and not very nice but the best part about that is God's not in our pocket we are in his pocket we are hidden it says we are hidden in Christ and that's the first thing that we have to understand when we're praying we are hidden I love that picture imagine I had this image of the BFG you've seen that film right this huge being maybe you shouldn't think about God as the BFG it's a bit scary and I'm tucked away in his little pocket 
What does that do to my faith? That means that no longer am I going on adventures, thinking about what I want to do, what I want to spend my money on, where I want to go on holiday, who I want to hang out with. That means my life is hidden with Christ. I'm up there in God's pocket. That means God's taking me on adventures. That means God's got stuff for me to do. That means God's going to take me who knows where, and he's going to be pointing stuff out to me and showing me things about people I never would have thought out, showing me things about countries I never would have thought of, showing me things about creation that I couldn't have been bothered about because I'm hidden with Christ. I'm delighting in the things that he wants me to delight in. And that means all of a sudden I'm seeing things from his perspective. So that means that actually he's not just going to always do what I want him to do. It means that he's going to take me and do stuff what he wants to do. And when you can change your perspective, it completely changes the way that you sort of pray about stuff So there's two people I wanted to tell you about. There's a lady called Amy Carmichael. Have you heard of Amy Carmichael? She's worth reading about. She went to India and she she basically, this was about maybe 100, 200 years ago, got involved with rescuing children who had been sold into slavery because their parents couldn't afford to look after them. But what happened for her, she's got an amazing story worth reading about. When she was a little girl growing up in Ireland, she had brown eyes And she used to pray, God give me, no, no, hang on, I've got it the wrong way around. She had blue eyes and, no, (laughs) she had brown eyes. And when she was growing up in the island, she used to pray, God give me blue eyes. (laughs) It's complicated, isn't it? And um, God didn't give her blue blue eyes, (laughs) oh my word. He, she never got blue eyes. And then when she was older, what, 20, 30 years later, what happened when she was rescuing those children? She wasn't scary because she had brown eyes. In fact, I read she even used to color her skin with brown coffee or something to make her look more like the people she was living amongst. But she couldn't have colored her eyes. But it said that she suddenly realized she was grateful God had given her brown eyes. And that's just a teeny quirky example. God, so, but what I like is she climbed into God. She realized she was dead, hidden in God's pocket. She, she wasn't getting cross with God. Why have I still got brown eyes? She realized God had adventures and she could see life from his perspective. Her life was dead. He took her to India and she was like, wow, I can see the mosaic coming into place. And then I'll tell you about someone else. You might think, wow, the color of your eyes, it's not that big a deal, is it? I can live with brown or blue. How about this guy? This is an, this, you may or may, I can never pronounce his name, Adam Nick Vucic. So you may not have heard about it. this guy grew up in Australia. He's Serbian, but he grew up in Australia. And as you can see from the picture, he was born without arms or legs. And his family were believers, and you can imagine they prayed some prayers. They prayed a lot of prayers, and his prayers weren't answered. And at around the age of 12 or 13, I think from reading his story, he tried to kill himself because he couldn't cope with the prayers that hadn't been answered he was bullied he didn't want to live his life like that he didn't want to live his life without arms and legs he thought he wasn't gonna you know what's gonna happen who am I gonna be at this age with nothing nothing and over time Jesus revealed himself to him and he realized that his life was died and he was hidden in God and that God was going to take him on adventures. And you've got to read about his story. He's got married. He's got four children. He does more stuff than I would ever hope to do. He surfs. He plays 
golf, he swims, he does all the crazy things that you can do with arms and legs that he does without arms and legs. But even more than that, God is using him to touch millions of people because of his story. He's climbed up, realized he's hidden with Christ and he's seeing things from God's perspective. His prayers weren't answered, but now he's been able to see from God's perspective how God can use him. So we just encourage you, the first thing is see, if you're not seeing your prayers answered, it's crying, it's saying, God, what perspective do I need to see, the long term? What are you doing here? Where, where am I hidden in you? What, what's the bigger picture here? We really encourage you to do that. I'm going to hand over to, to Adam now. Yeah, and when, and when you've got a, a difference in perspective, it, it changes the way that you pray. So in the book of James, it says you don't have because you don't ask. And, and when you do ask, you ask with selfish motives so that what you are asking for, you may have and spend upon yourself. So when we see things from our perspective um, and we've got that sense of God's in our pocket because this is stuff I want and why is God not coming through? It changes the way we pray. And so that's, that's one reason we're told in Scripture. Sometimes, not always, Going back to the mosaic, it's complicated. Sometimes uh, God will say no to something because what we're asking for is, is, is selfish and God knows it's not good for us at that time. In other, in other moments, he will say yes and God gives us things that are just like a gift. It's like a gift from a generous father. We know that it's not necessary. We know it's over and above. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that doesn't happen. So it's complicated. But that is one reason why. The next reason why sometimes prayers are not answered in the way that we would like them to is because we are in a spiritual battle. So this is really helpful to to remember this. There is spiritual warfare going on all the time. We're told this in Scripture. Here's a little image. Hopefully you can vaguely see it from the back but I'll explain what's going on here and if you look in theological books uh, about the subject of the kingdom of God you will come across this kind of thing and so we live in an age in the middle here that is in the middle of what's the present age and the age to come here kingdom inauguration it says here is when Jesus came and he announced that the kingdom of God had come oh look I'm getting all stuck up here Um, he announced that the kingdom of God had come And he said, here is healing, here is provision, here is salvation. And then he ascended to heaven. And this is like the age of the church. But we know there's another moment coming when all things will be drawn together and there will be no more sickness and no more tears. But we're warned that we live in this moment where the kingdom has already come now, but there is more yet to come. Because of that, that means that there's an overlap. It means that there are still things happening that we don't like and we don't want. And we're, we're told that there is a, a root of evil to these things. There is a, a, a person, the devil. There are demons at work. There are principalities and powers and rulers that we wrestle against. And so in Ephesians, we're told that, that our, our battles are not against other people, but against principalities and powers. So it could be that sometimes when our prayers are not answered, it's because there's warfare going on. There's some kind of restriction or limitation that is coming from Satan or from the demonic realm. We need another seminar series to cover the detail of this kind of thing. But it's just worth being aware of that, that there's, there's wrestling that goes on. So this, uh, this image here... Um, 
that we started with, the, the wrestling image is one that was used by the writer of, of Ephesians because it's wrestling. When we, pr- when we pray and when we live the Christian life at times, it, is, it feels like we're in a fight. And when you wrestle, there's hard work. You're, you're going to sweat. You're going to feel like you're being pinned down at times and at other times as if you're pinning down somebody else or something else. And so why aren't your prayers being answered or why hasn't that thing happened? It could be because there's opposition and there's resistance that's going on. And this, this, is a, this leads us to kind of having like that warfare attitude that is bigger than just the situation that we're in. I don't know if you recognize this scene here. This is a scene from the book of Daniel. And this is Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego who were thrown into the fire, thrown into the furnace because they refused to bow down to the foreign king as God. And so he said, right, you're going to be killed into the fire. The flames were turned up high. And, and what was their response? If you know the story, their response was, we will not bow down to you and we will trust in God to answer our prayer or our hope, even if it was an unspoken prayer. We trust in God to answer our prayer that he will come through and save us yeah that's a bold prayer but then what did they say after that even if God doesn't answer our prayer we won't bow down to you we will die now what that tells us is that there's an attitude there's like an attitude of warfare an attitude where we are pushing back against everything that is unrighteous and wrong even to the point of death it's impossible to have that kind of attitude if you don't know the love of God you don't know that God is with you and for you You don't know that you're in his pocket as Susie said if you if you think in your life's all about you and not about him you'll have the wrong perspective But having that sort of warfare attitude will at times enable us to say, I know God is good. I'm going to pray this prayer and trust him. But even if I don't see it happen in the way that I want it to happen, when it when it happens, I will not deny God like Job. I won't deny God. I will continue to trust God and honor him because I know that he is good. In the book of Daniel as well, we're, we're told that Daniel himself, where this story came from, he fasted and prayed for three weeks and we're told that there was a delay. There was some kind of spiritual warfare going on and there was a delay in the answer to prayer. And it says this in Daniel 10 verse 12. It says this, don't be afraid, Daniel. This is when an angel came to give him the answer to his prayer. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself, I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now that is really confusing because we're not, we're not given a lot of detail other than the answer came, an angel came, on the way another angel came that we're told is the prince of the Persian kingdom who resisted this other who the heck's that? You know, we're not, we're not given the detail. But something was going on in the, in the invisible realities of heaven in response to the prayer that delayed it by three weeks. So Daniel could have been thinking, oh, I've been fasting and praying here. Nothing's happening. God's given up on me. I'm, I'm going to stop praying after day one. No, there was something else going on. So the point that I'm making is how do you know 
that the answer isn't underway or that there's some kind of spiritual reality or resistance going on that you need to keep waiting and praying and persisting in. We're not told about that. It leads us on to prayer and fasting. So Daniel was praying and fasting. Another reason why sometimes our prayers are not answered is because we don't pray. We're told in Scripture in James, you don't have because you don't ask. But also along with praying, we're told that fasting is really, really important. So just just as a sort of a, a quick show of hands, who here has fasted before? And, we're t- um, and I'm particularly talking here about not eating food. Um, there's all sorts of ways in which we can fast. There really is. Uh, we can give up all kinds of things. But, but fasting is something that, that runs alongside prayer. If I was to say, who in this room has ever prayed? Hands up. Like, literally everyone. Um, whereas when you look in Scripture, fasting goes along with prayer. But yet fasting is a bit of a lost art. But we're told that fasting and prayer together seems to take hold of God. It seems to deal with ourself and our own attitude and our own perspective in a way that prayer on its own doesn't. So there's a story about um, a man. um, We'll come back to that in a minute. There's a story about a man who was... He came to Jesus and, and said, Jesus, I want you to to uh, free my my son of a demon, deaf and mute spirit. And Jesus said in response, because the disciples had tried earlier and they couldn't deal with this demon, Jesus said to them in Mark 9 verse 29, this kind only comes out by prayer. And in some of the translations, it says fasting as well. So in other words, there was a, a situation that cropped up. The disciples tried to answer the, the prayer, if you like, the request of this father who, could not, who wanted to see his, his son healed. And the disciples couldn't answer this prayer themselves. Jesus came and gave the response that they wanted. And then when they said, what was the reason why this prayer wasn't answered? Jesus talked about praying and fasting together. There was some kind of need to press in in prayer, to have a lifestyle of prayer that enabled power to come in that particular situation that would set this boy free, in this case from a demon, that was causing him to be uh, mute and to be uh, deaf. So does that mean that every time someone is, is deaf Uh, or mute, or any time someone is sick, it's a demon? No. Could it be sometimes? Possibly. We're back to the mosaic again. It's not always the same thing and the same reason every time. We need to have discernment. We need to be praying. We need to understand what God is saying and doing in every situation at different times. There's a guy called John Ramirez, who if you look him up online, he he used to be a a Satanist. He used to be a a devil worshipper. And he was very high up in the ranking. So he had a lot of, of power. And he was able to control people. He was able to make people sick. He even took people's lives just using the powers he had. And he would have one-on-one meetings where the devil would appear to him. Eventually, he became a Christian. You can read the story of what happened and how he got set free. And, and now he goes around and he talks about prayer. And he talks about 
fasting and he talks about what the devil is trying to do behind the scenes in order to restrict and limit believers. And one of the things that he said was that in, when, when he was out as a Satanist doing the things he did, sometimes he would go into areas, he would like astral project, he would come out of his body at night, go into an area to basically do the equivalent of praying on it. But it was basically cursing an area to bring bad things into that area. But he, he said sometimes he would find that there was a, like a restriction, a limiting on what he was able to do. When he became a Christian, he realized it was areas where there were Christians that were praying and fasting together. He, he said at the time he was confused because in his mind, Satan was the highest power and being. He'd not encountered Jesus yet. When he became a Christian, he realized that was what swung it for him, that there was someone else that was more powerful than Satan. But then he realized, wow, Christians don't know what's going on. They're not praying. They're not fasting. I need to teach people about that. So when you pray and when you fast into a situation, and if you've got medical issues or you're diabetic and you've got reasons why not eating or reducing certain kinds of food would be a problem, you need to talk to your friends, your family about that, doctors about that. That goes without saying. But if you, if you know actually you can go without food, even missing a meal and, and praying, and then kind of work it into your life regularly, it's not just when there's a crisis, it's not now and again, it's something that we're supposed to build into our life quite regularly, every month if we can, so it becomes part of the way in which we engage with God. If we do that, we will find that sometimes there's breakthrough that comes that was, didn't seem to come before, and it was because we're combining praying with fasting. So remember that one, it's a lost art. When, when we experience those restrictions and those limitations, it also leads us into a place where we're able to lament. We're able to change the tone of our praying. So when, when there's delays in our prayers, when there's wrestling, when there's warfare, when we're not getting what we want, it enables us to like go into the slipstream of some of the prayers that are in Psalms and in, the, in a book called Lamentations in the Bible. Probably not one you read every day. Who reads Lamentations regularly? No, uh, we, we don't do this a lot, in, it, particularly in our kind of Christianity in the West because we're, we're trusting God, we're believing God, we, we know, yeah, God's going to come through, he's good. You look at a book like Lamentations, it looks quite miserable, because it's all about that the woe is me and why is God not coming through and God how long until you answer my prayer but that's a really important way to pray because when you're going through a situation or your friends are or someone in your family it's a way in which we come alongside people and we we somehow share in that pain and that anguish with them and so telling God how we feel expressing that raw emotion that the anger the frustration the injustice about certain situations is exactly what we're called and taught to do in scripture it's what Jesus did it's what we have to do when we're living in that in-between phase that kingdom now and not yet so we have to learn to actually experience that anguish and as we do that amazingly it can draw us nearer to Jesus. So sometimes when we hit a point in our life where, where we're feeling like we just want to go out, we want to leave, we want to withdraw, we want to go numb, we want to put the shutters up, that could be a moment, it's a bit like a seesaw, where actually we need to go deeper with God. 
And in doing so, it could be that in those moments that we're actually beginning to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And it talks about that in the Bible. So, so knowing something of the pain and the anguish of this world and experiencing it enables us to pray with, with more of a raw heart and experience something of what Jesus is wanting to birth in this world because he, he shares that pain and that anguish. And our ultimate desire, as Jesus said, as Susie said, I'm comparing you to Jesus now, as Susie said, is to be within him, in his pocket. I want, I want to know Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And that includes sharing in the anguish. It isn't just walking about praying this happens, praying that happens, praying that. That's not the way it works. That would create a shallow Christianity and a shallow faith. There's something bigger and something deeper that is going on. Okay, you're hanging on in there? We're nearly... We're just going to... One other little way, and I, I say this one with caution because I really... I think you have to remember it's part of the bigger picture. Um, but one thing when we sometimes feel like God's not answering our prayer is to do with um, our obedience. So in the Bible, Jesus says in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So some people say that's like Jesus's love language is obedience. Um, And I just want you to imagine this scenario for a moment. You're at home and your maybe your mum, your dad, your auntie, whoever's there with you says, can you go and tidy your bedroom, please? Or can you go and do your homework? And you don't. You go off and then an hour later, after an hour of maybe flicking water at your little sister or picking your nose or whatever you do when you're avoiding what you should be doing, you go back to your mum or your dad or your auntie and you say can I go on my Xbox, or I'm sure none of you would do that, or uh, can I go out with my friends, and what are they likely to say? Have you tidied your bedroom? Have you done your homework? And that can be, that's certainly what I'd be saying, Um, I think there's a story, well I don't think, I know there's a story in the Bible about a man called the rich young ruler, And he goes to Jesus with a request. He says, "Um, teacher, what good deed must I do to be saved? And you probably know that story. And Jesus says, have you done this, this and this? And he says, I've done all of that. What can I do to be saved? And then Jesus says, I want you to go and give all your possessions away. And what does it say? It says that that rich young ruler walked away sad. And the reason he was sad was because he hadn't got the answer from Jesus that he wanted. And that's why I know sometimes I can feel sad because I feel like I'm asking you for something, God, and you're not giving me the answer I want. And I know, actually, if I'm really honest, it's because God's already told me some things to do that I haven't done. And I can stamp my foot and get angry and upset and say, God doesn't love me, God's not listening to me, God's not praying. And he's just very lovingly, patiently waiting for me to go and do what he's already asked me to do. And so that is just one. We are definitely not saying that in order for God to answer your prayers, you have to do the right thing, because that's not how God works. God's a loving Father who's gracious. But he does also, because he's a loving Father, like we love our kids and we, we know what's good for them. We know that they've got to learn to do their homework and they've got to learn to tidy their room or do whatever it is we've asked them to do. And until they, just because obedience trains us and makes us strong, 
Until we can do that, we're not ready for the next thing. And so we just raise that because sometimes we can like just be asking God, what, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? And God's just waiting for us. He's saying, and so some of the things you might feel like for me, it might be, Susie, have you gone and spoke to that person yet that I want you to go and speak to? Have you gone and shown love to that person? Have you forgiven that person? Have you given, like I've asked you to give or to share your stuff or to give some money away? Have you um, just you know, whatever it is, God might have asked you to do something. And so we just say that. We're just raising that to maybe make you think about that. Is there stuff that God's asked you to do? Or in the future, is there stuff that God's asked you to do and you're just holding back? And it's not because God's cruel. It's not because he's nasty. It's because he's for our good, because he wants us to have a strong, because it's a relationship, because he knows what he's doing. He knows when we can take those steps of obedience, we're making us making ourselves stronger in him. And then this one really is, is the flip side of that. It's like two sides of the same coin. So in, in the Bible, uh, we're told that the greatest commandment is what? Love God. And the second commandment, which is like it, is love others as yourself. So it could be, again, all these reasons we're saying it could be, all right? That's why it's like a mosaic. It could be any number of things or a blend of them. Uh, it's mysterious. It could be that it's your relationships with other people that are out of whack. So, for example, um, there is a scripture in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, and it says this, Husbands, in the same way it's just spoken to the wives earlier, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So if you're married or you want to be married, worth remembering that, you might want to study uh, the Greek and analyze what does that really mean? You know, does it actually mean what it sounds like it says? Um, But at the end of the day, whatever it means, there's an indication there that your relationship with those that are closest to you might have an impact on your relationship with God. That's what it's saying. Your relationships with those around you, particularly your Christian brothers and sisters, those that are on your campsite today, is in direct correlation to your relationship with God. It's like an L shape. They work together. You can't say, I love you, God, and hate your brother and sister. That's going to create a disconnect between you and God that may then have a ripple down effect to what Susie was talking about, about whether God is going to give you what you're asking for in the way you're asking before you've sorted that out. There's another um, verse or loads of verses, actually, but there's a story that relates to unforgiveness. This is another huge one. Unforgiveness. So in the Bible, we're, we're told the story of the, 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 un, the unmerciful servant. We're told the story of somebody that, that was forgiven a great debt of money. And then they then went out and met someone that owed them money. And they said, no, no, I'm not going to forgive you and let you off that. I demand it from you. And if, and if you don't give it to me, you're going to be thrown in jail. I'm going to get the authorities on you. When the first person who'd let him off the money found out about that, he said, that's disgraceful. And he was thrown in jail himself. And Jesus told this story, it says, to show us that we should forgive because we've been forgiven the greatest debt ever in Jesus. Therefore, anything else that we have against anyone else, our Christian brothers and sisters or anyone else, we should also forgive. And Jesus goes on to say this. He says, he says, 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. And what had happened is that this, this other man had been thrown into jail and he'd kind of been left there. And it actually says he'd been tortured until he should pay back all that he owned. Now, that, that sounds shocking. And I'm not saying that God is going to torture us. But what often happens is that when we don't forgive other people, it makes us feel like we are in a prison, in, in a jail. And so what that means is that we're locking up our own heart in offence. And when that happens, it does feel like we are being tormented or tortured in our heart. And those of you that, have, that maybe you've been through situations that are very, very diff- difficult and you're thinking, I can't forgive that because that feels like I'm saying it was all right. No, we're not saying it was all right. It was wrong. That was wrong. And it's okay to say that. When you forgive, you're not letting someone off the hook You're not keeping quiet about it because there's a lot of stuff you need to talk about. You need to share with parents or or youth leaders or others that are on site. It's good to do that. And we're honest with God, like the lamenting. We express the grief and pain to God. But once we've done that, we then have to unlock our hearts. And by saying, I forgive you, what we're actually saying is, "I, I see you as someone that's created in the image of God. I choose to bless you. I'm going to step back from you. I'm not going to hold on, hold on to you anymore in my heart and I'm going to somehow walk away and let go and I'm going to entrust you to God. And it might be that they have to deal with earthly consequences because of what they've done. That's something different. But it means that you then begin to walk in freedom. And so this is one that's really, really important. And it's really, really hard to do without knowing the love and safety and security of God in our heart. But, it, but it's also very simple. On the mosaic, back to our pictures here, it's, it's so clear in Scripture that it's just like the picture's almost complete. And all we need to do is click one one little tile along click suddenly everything comes into view quickly really hard to do it but it's one that we're told in scripture we must do so why aren't certain things happening in my life or even why am I not well you know we've known people that where they've had lots of hurt done to them and they haven't forgiven for years and years and years they've actually got sick got sick and so they might be praying God please heal me please heal me and they're not hearing that God is saying, forgive. And you'll find the healing will come because this is, this is something that, this is a sickness that's not been put on you by me. This has been put on you by Satan because you've allowed yourself to be locked up. And now somehow you're being tormented physically as well. So it could be that. So forgiveness is vital 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 and we want to really encourage you just to reflect on that and deal with that today if need be okay i'm just going to do the next one really quickly because yet we were talking about persistence but i think yesterday's seminar the whole thing was on persistence but so we just mention it very quickly sometimes we haven't seen our prayers answered because actually god's asking us just to persist so someone mentioned abraham earlier he wasn't seeing his prayers answered until he was what in his 90s and he had to keep on holding on and um, just an example of someone in more recent years is a man called james fraser who went to work in china um, 
oh, sorry, that slide is the persistent widow, which is the story in the Bible of, you will know about that. It says that, that she kept asking and asking the judge for justice. And eventually the judge says, because she didn't give up, I will give her justice. So this guy called James Fraser, who went to where 1886 to 1938 he lived, and he, God asked him to go to China He went on there and he was praying and praying and praying for God to break out amongst the Lisu people. And for years he saw nothing. He got very depressed. He thought, can he carry on? He went on and on and on like, God, I'm giving my whole life. What's going on? I don't know. I'm just praying and waiting. And he persisted and he didn't give up. And then eventually, um, after after six years, I think God brought a breakthrough I think it was longer than that that he was there but that was after six years of praying specifically for something he saw 300,000 plus people suddenly just turning to Jesus like that coming to know completely like from you know no understanding or anything of God just turning to Jesus and lives being completely transformed and then now or I'm not sure when that statistic was taken but eventually 80 to 90 percent of Lisu people turn to Jesus like the whole culture the whole area that whole kind of group of people gave their life to Jesus and Jesus became Lord of I mean and that that was years of persisting and so we just highlight that again I mean listen to the seminar yesterday unfortunately we weren't there but he spoke on persistence but that's a biggie so often God's just saying keep asking because often in that moment God's changing us as much as we're crying out and all the stuff Adam talked about the battle is going and we just keep fighting we keep fighting we're saying God change me and change the circumstance yeah and the final um the final one that we're going to touch on um is this I'll ask you a question though how in the scripture are we told that we can we can amaze God how do we amaze God there is like a an actual bible verse for it yeah worship uh worship's good but I'm thinking here specific verse uh yeah faith yeah what what's the story there is a specific story where Jesus actually says it, yeah? The Roman centurion, absolutely. Do you, do you remember that story? So there's a, there's a story in Scripture uh, where, where Jesus actually says um, that, that he's amazed. So how do we amaze God? How do we amaze Jesus? There's something to do with faith. So this final one, it kind of, it works against persistence, all right? So we've just talked about persistence, and now what I'm talking about here is stuff happening immediately. Stuff happening immediately. You think, well, how does that work? You know, why have I got persist if stuff can happen immediately? It's complicated. This is why it's a mosaic. There's different things are going on at different moments in our life we need to discern we need to get hold of God ourselves so having a posture of faith or belief is really really important sometimes we are required to persist in prayer for a very long time but sometimes it seems that faith and belief or having a gift of faith that comes to us is really really important and it is sufficient and in this story of the Roman centurion what 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 the story tells us is that that Jesus, who was walking along, was approached by the centurion who says, um, will, will, you, will you come and, and, and heal 
will you come back home? And Jesus says, yeah, he's about to come. But then the centurion says, no, no, actually, you don't need to come because I know your power and I know your authority. I know who you are. You don't even need to move. It can happen immediately from a distance. And at that point, Jesus, it says, was amazed. And he said, I've not seen this kind of faith anywhere in Israel. And this was a Roman centurion, so not not an Israelite. Wow, you really understand the power of God. You understand how authority works, he said, because I'm a soldier. And if I tell people to do stuff, it will just happen. And I see you've got that power. You can just say it and it will happen. And Jesus then says, wow, I'm amazed. And then he says, it will happen just in the way that you believed it would happen. And in that moment, the servant was healed. Now, if you rewind a bit and just think about what's gone on, the heart of God was on display. So Jesus was prepared to come. He was going to come and heal. That was his heart. I will move. I will walk there. But because there was an intervention, there was some transaction of faith. The, The Roman centurion understood who God was And he made a statement of of belief and faith. He declared something about God in that moment. It changed what Jesus actually was going to do. And you might think, can we change what God's going to want to do? You know, can my prayers actually alter God's plans? You know, that's, again, another seminar stream. But there, that's exactly what happened. So Jesus actually saved himself time and energy and wearing on his sandals. He didn't even have to walk. And, and I was thinking about this recently. If I was Jesus, that's what I'd want to do every time, wouldn't you? You know, wow, I can heal from a distance. I would just go to a central location, get everyone to come to me, and then I'd just say, yes, it's done as you've said. Yes, it's done as you've asked. I can save all my trainers. Nothing gets worn out. I don't get sweaty. I'd save time. That's a far more efficient way to work, isn't it? But God doesn't work just to get as much done as he possibly can in the shortest amount of time. God works to get to our heart. And so what happened then was the centurion expressed and showed something of his heart and faith. And it was enough to alter the plans of God in that moment. And, and the healing and the freedom came immediately. So this means that it is possible, actually, it is possible to walk in a, like in a posture of belief and faith where sometimes things can happen just simply by making like a move towards God, a single request or a declaration. And maybe you've got testimonies of that. I know within our life, certainly in a couple of areas, for example, there's been a few situations when it's come to money where it's felt like we, we had faith. That we, we, almost, it sounds irreverent to say it, there didn't even need to be much prayer. There was a sense in which I know who God is. I know we're supposed to do this. God will provide. It's like a, it's like a position. You're sort of sitting back, relaxed, trusting in the Heavenly Father, and the provision came. The money came. Sometimes it feels like you've got to persist in prayer, so you need that discernment to know which is which. And there's lots of examples in Scripture of that sort of tenacious faith. There's another one about the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15 who, who gets from God, gets healing from God when initially Jesus resists it and says, no, I'm not going to give it. And she, and she says, well, hey, even the dogs under the table get the owner's scraps. So can I not have from you? And Jesus says, wow, again, this is amazing faith. Because of that statement, yes. So we have to think sometimes when we come to God, 
God wants us to come and to be bold and to be pushy and to be tenacious at times. He's not shocked or offended by that. So it's okay to say, come on, God, come through, God, to express that pain and that injustice that we might feel and say, God, come through. Now we're declaring this. God, this is who you are. This is what you've said. And it may be that that's the appropriate way to tackle the situation that you're in. So Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8, we'll we'll finish with this. Ultimately, we are invited to come and to ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is the heart of God. So there's lots of different ways in which we can approach God. There's a whole myriad or mosaic of things that are going on at different times, depending on the situation. And and we need to learn to pray in different ways at different times. Different seasons may require a different response. But our encouragement to you is not to give up because the call of God is to go deeper, not to go away from him. Is actually to open up and let God move more deeply in you, not to put the shutters up and to keep him away. So we'd love to pray for you just as we're closing, and there'll be a little bit of time with the ministry team as well in here if there's stuff that's been touched upon this morning. So I wonder if we can just stand, if that's all right, and we're going to do a prayer all together just to sort of cover everything in one go. And then uh, if there's some specific things that have come up, because we've, re- we've mentioned some massive things. We've talked about illness. We've talked about difficult situations that people go through. It might be that there's situations where you've been mistreated or abusive situations. It could be situations where you've been praying for stuff for years and it's not happened and it's really painful. And then obviously there's that huge one of forgiveness, of unforgiveness, where you may have thought, hey, I'm, I'm carrying something in my heart and I've got to shift that today. That today's the day where at least you can begin to do that. And there's trusted people here who will come around and pray. So let's pray together. Why don't we just reach out to God in our own hearts? You might want to lift up your, your hands to God. And just as a way of, of saying, God, we're giving ourselves to you again. We're giving ourselves to you again. Thank you, Lord. Just, just pray in your own heart. God, I, I, God I'm not going to go. God, I'm going to go deeper. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to run toward you. Lord, I'm not going to put the shutters up. Lord, I'm going to open them and allow you in. Lord, I, I give to you the, the, the burden of this unanswered prayer, this this situation, this pain. Thank you, Lord, that 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 we can express that grief to you in that pain. That in the Bible we're we're told, express it to God. Come and wail before God and say, God, how long? Lord, I'm coming to you again today. I'm coming to you again today, Lord. And I pray for for, for our brothers and sisters here, each one, Lord, that, that dear children of God who you love, thank you that you are that loving Father that Susie spoke about, that you are, you've taken us to be in you and you deal with us just like a loving mum or dad would with their children. You always hear, you always know. Sometimes it may be no, not yet. Sometimes it might be it's not good for you. Sometimes we're not even told the reason and we're confused, God. But we come to you with that, knowing that your heart is 
it, your heart ultimately is yes. And that ultimately in Christ, all things will be brought together in the kingdom. And it will be yes. It will be amen. It will be it is done. It will be every tear is wiped away and every sickness is gone. And so we choose to trust you, Lord. And I pray for your spirit to come and fill each one here today, Lord, that they'll be just filled with that bigger perspective. They'll be given that, that Holy Spirit in fresh measure, the spirit of boldness, the spirit of courage to be able to fight, to be able to stand firm, as it says in Ephesians 6, to be able to wrestle again through in the situations that they're facing. So come Holy Spirit. And we want to stand against, Lord, every scheme of the enemy, Lord, that is at work right now to hold the dear children of God in captivity, to limit minds and hearts, to limit bodies even in sickness. We stand against that now, knowing that the answer is in Jesus. And so we come against you in the name of Jesus. We say Jesus is Lord. Jesus has power over every sickness, over every chain, over every limitation we say, be, be gone in Jesus' name. Be loosened and weakened in your hold, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. If, um, if you'd like to, to sort of hang around for prayer, you can stay just in that place of prayer. 